Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, the still recovering Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Uh, we have a lot going on in the show today as we do each and every day. And one of these days I'm going to come on here and say, not much happening here. Prepare to be bored. It's like, has any, have you ever waited to get on a flight and they told you, folks, We've got more overhead space than we know what to do with, so throw everything you've got up there. <laughs> Is it like automatic that they tell you? We have limited overhead space, right? It's automatic. Yes. So I need to stop saying we have a lot going on. That should just be implied. We have to fill two hours, and then after that, every day we can't even get to all the stuff we want to talk about, so we have to do an overtime. So stop me from doing that in the future. Well, uh- After today, don't let me do it ever again, okay? On a day when we've got a chapter of your book titled Despair, you know, I don't think we're moving forward into an arena where we're just going to be able to kick back and Netflix and chill soon. Correct. That's that's true. So here's what's going on today. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, uh, Jack Posobiec from Human Events will be joining us. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, we will have three non-political questions. Uh, also, Todd just mentioned, we'll continue on with our study of my book, A Nefarious Plot, leading up to the release of the movie, Nefarious Theaters, nationwide, April 14th. And today is a very big day. Maybe some of you were just tuning in here on Blaze TV and radio and listening live uh, to the debut of the full trailer for Nefarious that just occurred on the Glenn Beck program. You can see it, uh, hashtag Nefarious Movie on Twitter. Uh, This thing is going live absolutely everywhere. You'll begin to see it populate in theaters across the country starting this week, but much more as we get further into the month of March and uh, leading up to the release of the movie on April the 14th. So we will go back to studying the book that inspired the film, but maybe you missed it. Maybe maybe you didn't catch it. Or maybe you want to catch it again. Here is the full trailer for Nefarious. Hello? You should have accepted my offer, James. Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. He's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer, not him. And give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. It's probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do bad things. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. 
It won't let me. It can go away. It can go away. Yes? No. Exactly what it is that we'd like you to do. So if the first trailer was just a snippet to show you that the quality of what we have made is up to the task. So selling the quality of the film itself. This trailer sells the film itself. This, you have now been exposed to the main plot of the film, but trust me, when you see it, we have spoiled absolutely nothing, despite giving you a very in-depth look at the film. That is how subversive this movie is. That's, and you're going to see when you see this film that everything we have done has been done subversively. I mean, as, as Glenn said uh, when he had me on to do the world premiere of the trailer on his show just about 20 minutes ago, if I'm sitting in a theater, I have no idea the worldview of the people who made this film i'm thinking that could be a blumhouse production i mean i gotta go see that that's exactly what we set out to do from the very beginning we just set out to make the best movie we could and then our worldview will come through all on its own without having to contrive it and i think what we created was the exorcist and screw tape letters had a baby and they made this movie and Unlike The Exorcist, you're going to see a real spiritual battle for somebody's soul. But we won't have the, the, the profane, the crude, the, the unnerving physical uh, elements of what happens to Linda Blair in that in the all-time famous film. This one is going to be philosophical, intellectual. You're going, to, you're going to see how the enemy operates against us on that level. And, and we put someone in there who is essentially a stand-in for, for all of American culture. Do you guys understand, those of you who think you're so smart, you're so progressive, you're so enlightened, do you truly know the origin of where you're taking us to? Do you understand? Do you understand? Are you a sheep or are you a wolf? This is the movie where that will get determined. Because Nefarious, just like he does in a Nefarious Plot, I wrote the book that way, we did the movie that way. Just as he does in the book, in the movie, he will put it to you. And, and you'll find out how many people just really don't know the true stakes of what's at stake here for the future of our country, as opposed to who's in on it and all for the future or lack thereof of our country that we're heading towards. So, gentlemen, your thoughts on the trailer now that it is out there? You got a chance to see it a couple of days ago. What do you think? Well, as you know, I, I, it when the first time we saw a couple rough cuts, and and I just said, yeah, these do, these aren't telling the the story yet. And um, now this is just a Oz goes up to eleven moment. I mean, it it absolutely encapsulates. The ride you're 
uh, about to go on. It, 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 it dem- this movie demands of you a, a spiritual openness. And you're not, you, 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 no matter what world you've come into this with, you're going to be feeling a little silly when you've done some sort of um, invisible spaghetti monster in the sky kind of thing, whether you're the atheist who does that or the Christian who quite often like keeps certain parts of God on a shelf. This thing demands a level of simple honesty on that level that most people aren't accustomed to. And that's a success in and of itself. Aaron. Yeah. So we talk about a national divorce versus a self sorting and the self sorting is already going on right now in this country. This along the lines of what Todd was saying is going to be a spiritual self sorting one way or another, depending on the answer, whether your answer is whether the viewer's answer is, I see what's going on here. I'm really pissed off that they got me. I'm walking out or if they make it to the end of the movie with somewhat of an open mind, they're going to have to, they're going to have to answer a mm-hmm. question one mm-hmm. way or another. And I would just like to add as well, uh, th- there are various Twitter trolls that pick on mostly you and Todd. They kind of leave me alone. It kind of makes me feel bad, but um, there are trolls that devote great portions of their line. I, f- I figured out one of our trolls, dedicated trolls has spent 26 hours of their life this year alone, replying to your tweets, you and Todd's tweets. Just this year? Like just it's, the, it's the early March. Yeah, 26 hours over a Goodness day. Goodness gracious. If, if it takes 30 seconds or so mm-hmm. per tweet to, to compose and send. Um, I read the trolls sometimes. I have noticed over the last couple of months as you're rolling this out, they are getting increasingly worried. They are getting increasingly concerned. First it was, uh, yeah, this movie is never coming out. Uh, you're a grifter. Now it's you're, you're, I'm, I'm seeing stuff responding to you like, oh, well, you didn't actually have much to do with this because they see what is happening mm-hmm. here. They see that it's good. And of course, they're trolls, so they're personal, so they don't want you to have it. Just anecdotally, I think the forces of hell are a little bit aware a little bit aware that this thing is is a bomb it's a neutron bomb or has the potential to be at the very least agreed thank you uh, and we made it we made it to be a neutron bomb it it we empty the tank man there is there's nothing left we we there's no wasted ammo when you by the time we get to the end of this movie you'll see we absolutely emptied the tank we went in as if this might be the only shot we have to say all the things that need to be said at this critical juncture uh, in our nation to as many people as we could possibly reach, let's say it. And we did. So very, very proud with how it turned out. Excited beyond measure to see the reaction that we're getting right now to it as well. It's out on all the socials right now. You want to look for it. Um, Hashtag nefarious movie. You'll see the trailer, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Let's get to it. Speaking of the of the uh, of the uh, gates of hell, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by The Way the Wind Blows, which is something very important to former CDC Director Robert Redfield, who testified in front of the House Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic yesterday. Redfield has tried to play both sides of just about every issue and sub-issue when it comes to the coronavirus. He's the one who, you may remember, held up his cloth mask while testifying to Congress a couple of years ago and declared that his mask offered better protection from COVID than any vaccine. Ironically, he ended up being right about that. Anyway, here he is yesterday talking about National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, former director Anthony Fauci, and National Institutes of Health, former chief Francis Collins. I think I made it very clear in January to all of them why we had to aggressively pursue this, and I let them know as a virologist that I didn't see that this was anything like SARS or MERS because they never learned how to transmit human to human that I felt this virus was too infectious for humans. There was a lot of evidence that lab actually published in 2014 that they put the H2 receptor into humanized mice so it could infect human tissue. I think, you know, we had to really uh, seriously go after the fact that it came from the lab. And they knew that that was how I was thinking, although I thought we had to go after both hypotheses. And I was told later, uh, I didn't know I was excluded. I didn't know there was a February 1st conference call until the Freedom of Information came out with the emails, and I was quite upset as the CDC director that I was excluded from those discussions. Why would they do this? Because I had a different point of view, and I was told they made a decision that they would keep this confidential until they came up with a single narrative, which I will argue is antithetical to science. Science never selects a single narrative. We foster, as my colleague here just said, we foster debate. And we're confident that with debate, science will eventually get to the truth. This was an a priori decision that there's one point of view that we're going to put out there, and anyone who doesn't agree with it is going to be sidelined. And as I say, I was only the CDC director, and I was sidelined. He also added there's no debate in his mind about the origins of the virus. But the declassified information now, in September of 2019, three things happened in that lab. One is they deleted the sequences. Mm-hmm. It was highly irregular. So researchers don't usually like to do that. Second thing they did was they changed the command and control of the lab from the civilian control to the military control. Highly unusual, and I've been involved in dual-use labs when I was in the military. And the third thing they did, which I think is really telling, is they let a contractor redo the ventilation system in that laboratory. So I think clearly there was strong evidence that there was a significant event that happened in that laboratory in September. Moving on, Mississippi gives and Mississippi takes away. Just about a week after banning meatball surgery for minors in the name of gender Mississippi, which is about as deep a red state as there is, saw its legislature this week vote to expand Obamacare. Governor Tate Reeves is expected to sign the bill. From sucky to the land of the suckiest Republicans, South Carolina, where debate in that state house went down this week over an amendment to a bill that would define woman and man by the sex they were at birth. One opponent of that amendment is Republican Representative Micah Caskey, who has a future on the Supreme Court and whose voice you're about to hear. So my question is, do you know what a woman is? How do you define a woman? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad that you spend so much of your time preoccupied with that question. I would thought that you would know, being a woman, uh, and, and I'm interested in the question your question was, interest. I, I know what a woman I'm is. I'm speaking. We'll, we'll ask questions answered. Ms. Cromer, you can be heard, but allow him to respond, and then you again can ask Thank a you. question. Mr. Mr. McCaskey is going to be recognized to respond, then I'll allow you to ask Thank another you. question. Thank you. 
So, again, I, I appreciate your interest in that question. I'm a little disappointed that you have not come to that conclusion on your own. But f to me, or a woman is a person who is born as a woman. Now, I'm not a biologist. I don't know whether it's a, a specific genetic combination. Uh, I've always understand it to be a woman has a vagina. I, I, I'm not naturally. Now, are there arguments around the edges? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as smart as you. I'm just a dumb, small-town lawyer who's trying to make his way in the world today. Now, if that wasn't even bad enough, the amendment was added to a bill that aimed to promote hunting and fishing for women. And Kasky believes that hunting and fishing should be the priority over, you know, existential issues like reality itself. I want you to know that when I vote against the inclusion of this in the bill, and ultimately in favor of the bill, it's because I want you to go hunt and fish and we can have the culture fight another time. Kasky went even further, saying on Twitter, quote, at some point we need to bring back common sense. I'm doing what I can. Today we had a bill to have celebrate women who hunt and fish. Instead, radicals tried to make it about something else. Thanks to my colleagues for pushing back against the constant insanity. Global warming is being blamed on the discovery of supposedly tens of thousands of years old viruses found in thawed permafrost. Recently, scientists were able to revive one of these viruses because they want to research its effects on humans. Sounds like a great idea. Planet Earth is careening towards a global warming apocalypse. Women and minorities hardest hit. Here's Hillary Clinton. Women and, and children are the primary victims of conflict and of climate change. And there is no place that unfortunately, tragically shows us that more dramatically than Ukraine today. And finally, this from the hilarious at Stephen voiceover on Twitter. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the U.S. Capitol Building. If you've joined us today for the insurrection, please make sure you pick up a promotional leaflet on the way in, stay inside the safety cordons at all times, and if you get lost, speak to one of our Capitol Police officers. They'll be sure to point you in the right direction. And be sure to set aside a little time today to join us for some insurrection activities, including our photography tour, our fancy dress competition, and have a go on our climbing wall. But don't forget those safety ropes. And I've now received the results of our fancy dress competition. The winner today is Jacob Chansley. That's Mr. Jacob Chansley. If you could report to your nearest Capitol Police officer, they'll be sure to give you your prize, a guided tour of the building. And all that's left is for me to thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the insurrection. Wherever possible, please try to clean up after yourselves. Don't forget to visit the souvenir shop on the way out. And feel free to join us on the outdoor terrace for Nancy Pelosi's insurrection soiree. Grab yourself a light refreshment and enjoy the music of our very own fancy dress competition winner. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> that's not even parody. Nope. Not even parody. Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends over at Moink. Did you know a majority of U.S. pork production comes from a single company that is owned by the Shycoms? That's probably a good idea, right? Sure. Why not? Why not? Um, uh, this is why you want to go to Moink, uh, because they do it the way that we used to do it in America. Family farms, okay? Uh, actual Americans, Grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more, all delivered straight to your door every single month with meat the way our grandparents both ate it and did it back in the day. And it was good enough for them. 
They weren't actually actively trying to destroy their own country like we are in our time period, right? So if you want to give Moink a shot to keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Steve right now. That's moinkbox.com slash Steve. And by the way, if you do that, you will get free filet mignon in every order for a year. Free filet mignon in every order for a year when you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve. Moink. M-O-I-N-K from moinkbox.com slash Steve. You know, Steve, speaking of that's not even parody, did you you remember when we had Noah Rothman on the show way back and he told you that you have to follow the Supreme Court no matter what? It's yes. just the right thing. Yeah. Did you see that he for National Review, he wrote a uh, Tucker Carlson actually column about, yeah. Yeah. Shocking, I know. I, I just, you know. Man, South Carolina, dude. Seriously. I mean, does any state prove more that there is a lot more to being a red state than just owning a bunch of guns than South Carolina does? You know what I'm saying? I mean, does any does any state prove, I mean, your elected officials suck. I mean, you send terrible people to Washington, D.C. We haven't had a good senator out of your state in my lifetime, or at least since I've been paying attention. I mean, it's just... Come get your boy. Who is that dude? Yeah. Honestly, who is that guy? Well, there's all different kinds of the, that that's his version of uh, Netflix and chill, or I'm just going to watch football and never, ever concern myself with anything. That's his, I, I, can I just go be a good old boy and hunt and fish? We can take care of Western civilization late. I mean, guys, it's not a leisure pursuit. You're cornered in an alley. How many people do you think to call before you call that guy, do you think? All of them. All, yes, yeah, because he'll join in and help them take you down. Yeah, I yeah. have a 12-year-old girl who goes to ninja classes. I mean, she's... <laughs> right, right. I like my odds. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling... In fact, you could have said that. I'm calling all my daughters. They're on the <laughs> list before I get to him. Yes, ex- indeed. All right, so I've got to talk about Robert Redfield. You ever seen that guy before? That is a totally... little piss and vinegar, you mean? That is a totally different human being than we saw as Trump's CDC director during the, the preeminent phase of COVID. He was nothing like that. You'll recall that I helped Senator Cruz's office construct questions yeah. to Mr. Redfield in the summer of 2020, remember? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and these questions, guys, were like... Seven, eight sentences long. I mean, the questions we wrote were, were specifically devised. So like there could be, we tried to preemptively think of every trapdoor answer he could give other than answering the actual question. And that, and that was just about lockdowns and masks and natural immunity. We hadn't even gotten to the vaccines and everything yet. And remember how mealy mouth those answers were? Remember how effeminate those answers were when we broke them down on the show? They just offered absolutely nothing. Nothing. Aaron's right. He did prove to be correct that a Chinese-made cloth mask will protect you more from the virus than those vaccines, but not in the way that he thought he was trying to be right. It's just because they both don't work. (laughs) So, um, therefore, I guess he was ironically correct. Yes. We never saw that guy the entirety. Remember the guy who puckered hard 
when Trump held the thing at the White House about reopening schools. Do you remember that? And he was like, oh, gung-ho, yeah, we got to reopen the schools. Gets a little bit of pushback from people that wouldn't vote for Donald Trump, literally, if their freaking lives depended on it. And just all but caved. Do you guys remember these conversations? Of course. Do you remember these shows? You ever seen that guy before? I'm asking, have you ever seen that guy before? No. You ever? Did, did that guy ever run the CDC? Yeah. That's the same guy that made a pact. Made a pact with Debbie. I should be put on trial to be hung by my bedazzled scarf Burks. And Anthony, Anthony, after a fair trial, of course, Fauci. They made a pact together, remember. Redfield joined in on it. I mean, the gaslighting here is just nuts. Thank goodness for digital media and a photographic memory. Redfield made a pact with Fauci and Burks that if Trump's, if Trump's second testicle should ever actually drop to save his presidency and he fired these fiends, they'd all resign together. Remember this? Mm-hmm. And now that guy's up there going full Sammy the Bull, man. Just singing. Just singing. Here's where the bodies are buried. Here's the dates, the timestamps. Come on, man. Come on. Sadly, it's just pure ego, though. I, you didn't let me go to the meeting? I wasn't at the meeting? I think it's also a complete attempt to retcon this. Everybody sees which way this is going now. It, the, it's out of the bag. It's leaked. <laughs> they, there's, they can't put it back in the Wuhan if they wanted to. No, it's, it's all out there now. And so this is the most cynical of politics. He is now attempting to recast himself. I mean, what Robert Redfield is doing is the equivalent of Alec Baldwin saying, I didn't shoot that woman on set. Her face fell into my bullet. He helped them. He helped them implement all these policies. He helped them do it. He couldn't be counted on for anything. For anything. Except not being counted on. Remember the story one of your little birdies told him about seeing him in traffic once? Driving around and pulled up next to him and it just like, I can't believe this guy. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> He's like, my, one of my was like, how were our, our fate is in this guy's hands? We're doomed. But he 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 did this. I'll give I'll give I'll give Redfield credit. He at least did this. He's at least willing to do this. Okay, and your standards are plummeted. I know. He's at least willing to be a typical sellout <laughs> Republican, because we live we live under the thumb of Mitch McConnell nowadays, who enjoys sadistically betraying his base in public because he thinks he doesn't have to lie anymore. We just had that conversation yesterday, right? Yes. By the way, Mitch, man, careful at home. Um, but we just had that conversation yesterday. Ditch. See, Robert Redfield is who Ditch was for like 30 years. He doesn't have to be that guy anymore. And he hated being, trust me, Ditch hated being that guy. Hated it. He really did just want to give you the one finger salute all this time. He wanted to do it the whole time, but he couldn't do it. Now he can. He, him and Elaine, they've made all their money. They've cashed in. He's 80. 
can walk away. He's named every building after himself in the Commonwealth that he wants. He's got nothing to lose. So I'll just tell you what he thinks now. Redfield, not so much. He still has to play the game a little bit. And trust me, what he did yesterday was every bit the game as what he was doing when he was undercutting the Trump administration. And therefore, all of us who were going to vote for it. It's just in this case, though, the game has changed. And he can't play the other game. And Fauci and Burks are politically non-viable entities. So he's out there on his own. So in the classic groupie play, and remember, everybody in politics is a gangster, a crusader, or a groupie. In the classic groupie play... He wetted his fingers, stuck him in the wind, saw which way things were blowing, and said, I better get on this train now, all right? Now, before the music stops playing, let me find a chair to sit in. That's what that was yesterday. He's Wormtail. Yes. He's figured out where this is going to go. And he's figured out that the Republicans are going to go to the mattresses on the origin of the virus. They're going to go to the mattresses on that. Why? Because everybody it implicates... Hates them. The Shycoms and the Fauci so, and the Fauci Burkses of the world. They're not our Jeffrey Tucker from the Brownstone Institute, we just had him on the show, said, Why do I feel like this is we're only gonna do this on the virus and not on the origin of the virus and not on the jab, not on the lockdowns? He's dead because we're not. They're not gonna do that. Because that would implicate their boy Trump. Because his fingerprints are all over the lockdowns and all over the jabs. So they're not gonna do that. Okay. We're gonna have to do that on our own. Well, Florida will probably do it. Not just because the guy's also running for president, so he's got a vested interest in exploring it. Florida will probably do it. But for the most part, we're going to have to go into lockdowns and the jab on our own. But on the origin of the virus, I mean, the Republicans are going to go red wedding on that. And Redfield could see that is the case. And so now, cut my deal right now. That's what you saw yesterday. Back here on the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, and we are way overdue to make this connection for our audience. Jack Posobiec is here with us from Human Events. Jack, it uh, has been uh, way too long uh, getting you on the show, brother. It is uh, good to have you with us, Steve Day Show on the Blaze, man. How are you? Steve, really awesome to be here, man. And I got to say, congrats on the movie, folks. You know, I actually watched this thing a couple of weeks ago. He sent me the screener. It, it, it will knock your socks off. It will put you in a position where you will not stop. I actually haven't stopped thinking about it since I've seen it. Wow. I'm Thank like, you, where's man. the next one, man? Where's the yeah. next one? They're they're really easy to make, right? <laughs> yeah, they're they're very easy to make. If you, especially if you don't want to cut any corners, you don't want to let Hollywood make it let you, or, or any casting decisions water the movie down whatsoever and say what you want it to say. They're extremely <laughs> easy to make like that. Yes, super easy. No, we'll just we'll I'll I'll, I'll I'll get in touch with my guys. We'll just do deep fakes of the whole thing next time. <laughs> Nice. Cast whoever you want. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, thank you very much. We just launched today, actually, the full trailer. I'll send it over to you later today. You will dig that a lot. Oh, so, I can't wait. Thank you. Um, I, you know, speaking of deep fakes, I just thought of this. I have to ask you about this because I was just commenting on it to our audience. 
that guy, Rob, that version of Robert Redfield that testified yesterday, did you ever see him as the C, when he was CDC director, uh, did we ever see, when he was uh, shucking and jiving uh, with uh, Debbie Bedazzled, yes. Scarf Burks, and uh, Anthony after a fair trial, Fauci, um, I don't recall ever seeing that guy with that level of certainty and conviction and guidance and, and, and zealotry for the truth. Where was that, Robert Redfield, when the country needed him the most in, uh, in early it's- to mid-2020, Jack? It's, it's kind of amazing to see people go through these transformations as narratives begin to shift, as the political winds blow in different directions. Suddenly, they they find their courage. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'm, I will say that I congratulate people for getting there when they get there eventually. Mm-hmm. But it really is interesting when you have people who, and I wouldn't say he's necessarily one of these, but when you have people who demonized those of us who were telling the truth in the moment, then turn around and act like they were standing with us the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think it also, though, is indicative of where the where the where the winds are blowing here. That he recognizes, I have got to retcon my role in this process because it's clear right. that the truth is, pardon the pun, leaking out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leaking out just like it leaked out of a of a Wuhan lab. <laughs> Amazing. So, was it an accidental leak? That just so happened to coincide with the World Military Olympic Games held in Wuhan, where every nation on Earth brought some of their military personnel there to compete in one big global extravaganza. Is it just a coincidence that that's when Redfield thinks that it leaked, or was it a bioweapon? What do you think, Jack? So I've talked to uh, people that were on that trip. I've talked to family members of military uh, members who were on that trip A lot of them came back sick, a lot of them wondering what happened, what could have gone wrong. And it it wouldn't surprise me, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the CCP looked at this as a potential test or a test of something that they had been cooking up in this lab, but then they never expected it to leak into their own population. And that's what I think was the leak, right? The CCP never wanted this to get out into China. And then when it did, that's when the alarm bells really started going off. When they started realizing, wait a minute, our own citizens are starting to come down with this thing. Now we've got a problem. So that's why you see the flights uh, domestically within China get shut down and the flights overseas. And I'll never forget the Chinese ambassador to Italy Italy, screaming, demanding. And I've been watching China for 15 years. I was a Mandarin linguist in the Navy. I've never seen a Chinese ambassador be so just aggressive and belligerent to the Italian government saying, you will accept these flights. These flights of Chinese tourists and Chinese businessmen will land Mm. in your country. There's a reason for that. There's obviously a reason for that. All right, let's switch gears and talk Ukraine. Uh, because uh, you had a story about this recently as well. And I, I said to our audience yesterday, I, I don't know what's true. I, I know two things are true. I know Vladimir Putin is not a good person and Vladimir Zelensky is a corruptocrat. So that's all I need to know. Not my problem. I've got 75 devils here. I mean, hell is empty for all the devils are here in American culture at the moment. I've got plenty of things going on, you know, uh, just trying to get my ki- stop my kids from getting mind raped uh, every time they turn a the television on. So yeah. I've got em- enough of my own issues. Yet, nevertheless, this has become the obsession of the ruling class in America. What is what what is real over there? Where Where is that war? We hear so many conflicting things. What do you believe is true? 
Well, you know, we we actually, you know, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, but also we we traveled to Ukraine to see it for ourselves last summer. Uh, we went on a night train to Odessa. We traveled all the way from Lviv, went down to Odessa. Then we took a car with a contact that we had made down there through checkpoint after checkpoint. We went down to Nikolaev, right on the banks of the river there on the Black Sea. So we went to see for ourselves. And did we see destruction? Absolutely. Did we see trains that were running and cell phone towers that were still up? We saw that as well. So I think it's a mixed bag. I think there is a narrative of what's going on, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that, that they always say, the first uh, the first thing to die in war is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that there is a narrative, absolutely, but you always have to kind of peel back the layer. Now, last night, of course, massive missile strike from Russia into Ukraine, but of course, we were being told a year ago that Russia was running out of missiles. So mm-hmm. how, were, you know, how are they conducting these missile strikes with missiles that they weren't supposed to have? And so sifting through what's propaganda and what's real on this has really become more of an art than a science trying to connect dots in this story i saw this morning that it appears the oscars have turned down vladimir Zelensky's um request to address that event and i'm so sad that's i mean the the world's greatest actor the world's greatest actor (laughs) is being is being denied by the oscars how can they do this indeed but i find the timing of this on the heels of now we're going to run with the story that it wasn't us who blew up the pipeline, but the that essentially a pro-Ukrainian group did, which, of course, would have crippled some of their own allies' as, uh, energy needs at the exact same time. Any connection to the fact that this comes on the heels of that, or do you think those two events are completely isolated? So you are seeing a shift, right? So what happened, go look, connect the dots of the last week. So Olaf Schultz comes to the White House, meets with Biden, we're told for an hour. They don't have a press conference. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no state dinner with, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the celebrities heading over and all of these different things. No, it's he comes in, he comes out. Jack Kirby comes up and they said, the Pentagon spokesman, they say, well, where's, you know, where's, you know, where's the meeting? They said, that's a working meeting. They're discussing significant issues and we're not going to be taking any questions. Then he flies back to Germany. And they have like one little photo sash in the Oval. And suddenly, a few days later, this story comes out. And I realize the story is meant for two audiences. The story is meant for one audience, and that is the German people, because they need some kind of assurance, some kind of story out there, even the most implausible story as to why exactly their energy prices have gone up 300% this winter, because people keep calling it the Russian pipeline. But guess what? Germany owns the other half of that pipeline. And so the question is, you know, you know, what happened to our energy infrastructure? Why is it destroyed when we need it the most? going into the winter because it was September. Number two, the second audience for this is exactly your point. It's Zelensky himself, because this is now giving the United States, the West, these governments potential leverage on Zelensky, because if they need to say, look, this guy's losing, he's losing in the East. He's not giving us what we want. He's got us into this war of attrition. We've got issues here at home uh, that aren't going well. The polling numbers are all in the tank. People are asking questions about Ukraine. They're wondering why we're spending so much money over there when we got trains full of toxins crashing in East Palestine. And suddenly, suddenly, we're putting out situations, putting out stories and talking points where it seems like Ukraine might not be on the side of the angels. Because consider the, the, the actual 
the the follow through, right? Walk it through to the end of the official narrative. The official narrative is Ukraine, which is not a NATO country, conducted attack on German energy infrastructure, Germany, which is, you know, a NATO country. So the question is, uh, you know, are there going to be investigations on this? Are there going to be hearings? Zelensky shouldn't be going to the Oscars. He should be going to back to Congress to say, did you order this attack? And as such, are we as Americans going to now continue funding a government that we're told just attacked Germany? Hmm. The, you mentioned a minute ago the dueling narratives here, the contradictory narratives. So uh, yes. we, we have to be willing to even send our own children over there uh, because otherwise Putin will reassemble the Soviet Union. On the other hand, he's unable to subdue as, as, you know, as a plenary state of the old USSR in well over a calendar year. Make make sense of that for us, Jack. If, if we put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around Vladimir Putin and just asked him, do you think, did you really think when you invaded last February that this war would still be going on the March of the following year? What would his answer be, do you think? Well, I think he was looking for a regime collapse. I think that's what he was talking about originally when he used the phrase denazification. I think he was looking for a situation where they'd make this this huge invasion, uh, a lot of a lot of noise, but not really that much of a troop commitment on the ground. Because keep in mind, the invasion force was only about 150,000, whereas Ukraine had a, a military of about 400,000 at the time. He wasn't looking for a long fight early on. He was hoping that the regime would collapse. He wanted Zelensky to fr- to flee or at least make some kind of deal, and then they would have got. And which, by the way. Um, uh, Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of Israel, said that one month into all of this, that he had Putin on one phone and Zelensky on the other, and they were going to make a deal, and that it was the United States and Boris Johnson, the U.S. and the U.K., that worked together to, to destroy the entire thing, to sever it. Boris Johnson then flies to Kiev and you know just does his whole walkthrough. This is a couple of months before Joe Biden does his walkthrough with the fake uh, the fake air sirens. Yeah, like the Secret Service is going to let the, the president of the United <laughs> States walk into an airstrike, right? Um, especially when it's one of those quick response teams. No, what you have here is a situation where I think Russia doesn't look at it as a fight between Russia and Ukraine. They're realizing that this is now a fight between Russia and NATO, which I think we're all basically all but admitting. What's the end game? When does this ever end? This ends in in one of two ways. If you would listen to the Victoria Newlands, uh, she wants regime change in Russia. She wants to take this fight all the way to Moscow. She sounds like uh, the Kaiser or the German generals in World War II saying that we're going to take Stalingrad and that we're going to ride the ride the Volga all the way up to the to the main town. Uh, this is the thing with going into invasions of Russia that Russia just does not surrender and they will continue sending forces and they don't care how many people it takes. Uh, that's one option. And of course, by the way, even if the West sends the F-16s and the tanks and everything else, you're going to get in a situation where Russia does turn up the bombing like we just saw again last night, one of the largest bombing runs in the entire war, energy infrastructure, um, air defenses. They could just glass the entire place and get out of there if it looks like they're going to lose. So that's option two. Option three, you make a deal. I said at the beginning of this, and tell me, this is more your area of expertise than mine. I, I said at the beginning of this, once Putin uh, went in, he has to win. I mean, he is, uh, he's, he's essentially the chief gangster of a gangster government, uh, and, uh, and he's not getting younger. Um, and the, if, to take a defeat here, to take an L, 
there's a lot of other oligarchs that uh, are one day thinking, I'd like to be sleeping in the master bedroom there at the Kremlin when it's my turn, and maybe it's my turn now. Yes. Okay, and so uh, Putin has to win this. He cannot come home with anything other than something that he can sell as a W. And but we have to recognize legacy. that. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, I completely agree with that, that he's putting his entire legacy, he's putting everything that he's done with Russia since he came to power 2000, 2001, after the, the drunken years of Yeltsin and the insane privatization schemes that were going on throughout the country. So he's taking this, and really, if you listen to his speeches, um, and I wouldn't consider myself a Putin expert, but I do notice that he, ref he seems to reference Peter the Great a lot. And Peter the Great was this this figure who took Russia from being a backwater and uh, fights in, in all these regional conflicts and then turns Russia into the modern state that we see it as today. And so to me, it seems like Putin is kind of viewing himself in that way, taking Russia from a weakened state where it was after the fall of the Soviet Union and in turning, returning it to a great power status. I think that's what he wants his legacy to be. And because because of that, that's why he's willing to put all his chips in on this fight. Final thing, I got about 90 seconds. I just open question your reaction to what Tucker Carlson unveiled this week with some of the uh, missing 14,000 hours of surveillance tape on January 6th. We have yet to been shown until Tucker showed it to us. Look, it's amazing, and I want all of it. Uh, this uh, this entire narrative that we've been fed was a complete lie. Benny Thompson coming out now saying, admitting, forced to admit that he didn't watch any of the footage himself. We are living through an era of show trials. We are living through an era of fake hearings, fake committees. And this is why, by the way, I've said that we are in the late stages of our republic, because mm -hmm. this is the way a regime acts. This is not the way a republic acts. Mm -hmm. Well said. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you. Thank you very much, man. God bless, Steve. Same. Same to you. Jack Posobiec from uh, Human Events. Your thoughts, Todd, on that conversation? Well, in continuing to process this myself and hearing smart people talk about it, I think that uh, you, the Ukraine thing has a lot to do with the whole COVID thing. And basically, one of the superpowers of uh, Ukraine and Zelensky is the people there and their power to Netflix and chill. They're Netflix and chill. They've got movie stars coming over. Uh, yeah, the Oscars may be taking them, but most people have taken them uh, so far. Uh, U2 and Bono. You know, when, when that attention, where it's his point. The, the, the plan was for the regime to collapse. I think a, a lot of it didn't because so far the people have been on this ride along with Zelensky. In their hearts, a lot of them have been walking around in you know, green sweatshirts and camel pants all the time. That's how they feel. They feel like that guy. And in t I, I, the quickest way for this to revolve itself isn't even military. It's psychological. If the people realize they are pawns mm -hmm. in a very stupid game. Mm -hmm. And so far, they've liked the game. See, I think we're playing a game. I don't believe Vladimir Putin is. I think he's Agreed. playing. He's playing for real stakes, and you got you saw Agreed. your jacket into that, Aaron. I I think yep. we're playing your typical geopolitical game, and Putin is playing at a, at, I think for different stakes than what we are playing for. It doesn't mean he's he's going to win, but I think that's what you have to analyze your enemy for who he is, not who you want him to be. Yeah, if you analyze this situation in a vacuum, which I know life is not a vacuum, but if you analyze this this situation in a vacuum, remove all of the names and just pretend like it was. Uh, you know, risk or something like that, or a, a real geopolitical conflict. Conflict. Uh, just removing all the names, you can see how you know one of your sworn enemies encroaching on your doorstep and then adding to their ranks. 
you know, I'd have a little bit of a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I, you know, does the United States have have a history of being a little con- con- concerned when a foreign power uh, half a world away sits on its doorstep, essentially? Yeah, we do. And we, you know, that's called the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it was a time of fear and loathing here. So if you remove all the names, that doesn't mean he's not a bad uh, guy. He, he is. He's a tyrant. He's a thug. But this this entire situation from our from our our the West's point of view, again I go back to this is this is what I realized back in February of last year. Vladimir Putin, he's he's a thug, and why do I have to keep saying that he is a thug? But he may be the last leader of a major power on the face of the planet that does not have a nihilistic view of his own country, that he has some sort of manifest destiny view of his own country. Mm -hmm. The World Economic Forum cabal, and that's us included, and the United States, they look at that and they say, why come you don't got a tattoo, man? That's what this is all about. Hmm. We'll come back. Theology Thursday is next. Stay tuned. back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And all of you can let us know what you think about what we think, though hopefully not all at once, by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. That's at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. Make sure you are out there on the socials looking for the debut. My man Glenn Beck shared it on all of his socials as well. The debut of the full and final trailer for Nefarious, and it is a hold on to your butts. All right. Had Glenn watch it live today on his show when we did the world premiere of the trailer, and he's like, man, I, that seriously gave me goosebumps. So, And Glenn, we haven't talked about this a lot because to tell you what he does in the movie would spoil it some, but uh, he has a guest starring role in the film, guys, and he's really good. It's, it's, it's more than a Stan Lee cameo. For know? sure. And he's really good. It's a pivotal scene in the movie, and he's really good. So um, go get uh, and look for hashtag nefarious movie on Twitter and elsewhere right now as well. Uh, So you can see the trailer if you have yet to see it. Uh, We played it at the top of the uh, program here today, too. So it's fantastic and does a much better job of selling the film. The first trailer was about selling you on the fact that we could make a good movie. Now we're going to sell you on the story and the the tale of the film itself. And I think you'll be very, very pleased. I mean, the reaction I have received has been over the top. And I want to thank Jack Basobic over at uh, Human Events for his very kind review. I did not know that he was going to do that. So uh, thank you for that. Appreciate it. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. You know, I was uh, watching an interview with... Um, Oh, what's his name? Steve. Uh, he's kind of the big UFO whistleblower guy 
we watched a couple of his documentaries the last few years, and then we tapped out when the last one we did, he was basically making a reli- building a religion around who he thought the aliens were. You know what I'm talking about. You you would yeah. know the you picture. You don't know. I don't know. Okay, he's, he wears glasses. You know, kind of kind of buff guy. Clearly is you know takes weightlifting seriously. Stephen Greer. Steve Greer. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was watching an interview with him on YouTube the other day, talking about the Chinese balloons and how they're absolutely not UFOs. The whole and I thought to myself, how that's it gonna be. He won't. Yeah. How bad, Jonah Hill gif. Yeah. Ah. How bad's it got to be when the uh, the patron saint of America's UFO movement, basically, who's building a religion around the aliens, is like, nah, total frauds, a complete Department of Defense uh, false flag. I can't gaslight this crap. Yeah, yeah exactly. How bad's, how bad's it got to be when Greer's like, nah, <laughs> just, just, a, just a bunch of Chinese balloons or our own people trying to make it look like Chinese balloons. That's, those aren't the real thing. Trust me, I'm in touch with the aliens and they won't approach us like that, no. Uh, but uh, it made me think about that when I read this uh, uh, this uh, this stat that Jace Medical pointed out. 18 out of 21 critical antibiotics and 72% of our active pharmaceutical ingredients are manufactured in China. Good country to go to war with, right? Sure. That'll go well. Think about it. 18 out of 21. Think you might need antibiotics like after a nuclear exchange. Might be some infection, maybe. Good news. That's like if the, it's not like if the Nazis were like growing all your crops or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna segue right into a chapter called despair. Good news. We can't go to war with the Shycoms, even if the political class finally figures out they're our enemy, because they manufacture 18 of our 21 critical, most critical antibiotics, and nearly three fourths of all of our pharmaceutical ingredients. So there's, there's that. Then again, maybe that's why the elites want to go to war with China. That would be the ultimate depopulation scheme, right? Hey, we love denying you critical medical care that you need. We love denying you medicines that would work. So we went to war with China. Now you're out 18 out of the 21 antibiotics you need, and we're out uh, you know, three quarters of our pharmaceutical ingredients. That, that would depopulate, right? Mm-hmm. I digress. Anyway, this is why you want to get a hold of our friends over at Jace Medical. Put your family's health into your own hands. J-A-S-E. J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. All right, get the Jace case, five venerable antibiotics so that you'll have peace of mind to know that your family's taken care of should it go down. Use the promo code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. Promo code DACE at checkout for a discount at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Also, if you're a podcast listener, please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. If you like us, of course, uh, hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to all of you that did each or both of those things for us. We appreciate each and every one. And now we continue with Theology Thursday. We are doing maybe our final ever look back on a nefarious plot because this has become so painfully prophetic. I don't know that we could endure going through this again. All right. Because going through it again would mean one of two things. A, we've had revival, so why would we want to relive this moment in our nation's history? Or B, we didn't. So we're living out the book anyway, so it's kind of anticlimactic. Fair? Mm -hmm. So this is likely the final time, the third and final time we have ever done a study of Nefarious Plot. And of course, it's time to lead up to the release of the movie it inspired, Nefarious, coming out in theaters on April the 14th. We are in the midst of the portion of the book where Nefarious is now laying out in detail every 
section of his plan to destroy America. And this week we are on chapter seven. We are in the despair section, the spreading of despair. And before I toss it to you guys, I was on the great Wood AM in Grand Rapids, Michigan this morning, uh, my old hometown, uh, talking to Justin Barkley, who does the morning show over there. And uh, Justin was like, just reciting for me how the Democrats in the state legislature in one night basically turned Michigan into San Francisco, essentially. And he's just giving me this like laundry list of stuff that they have just done to San Francisco, the entire state of Michigan in one legislative session. And he's like, I do this for a living, man. I'm engaged fully. I can't keep up with all this stuff, let alone all the national stuff with the Redfield testimony and everything. It just seems so overwhelming is what he said. Mm -hmm. And you could hear and you could feel that despair. And that's exactly what Nefarious talks about in this chapter. Remind me again when this book was published. Seven years ago, last week at CPAC. CPAC 2016 is when the book was released. It's as if in this chapter and other chapters, but in this chapter in particular, he says, oh man, we had pretty... At high standards, and by that I mean low standards for how you could have, how you people could make this happen. But boy, oh boy, did you go above and beyond. And it's like upon reading this chapter seven years ago that America is like, we can do better. Mm -hmm. You wrote this, and there's, this is, as you've become accustomed, because we're we're how many chapters in now? Uh, there's the theology and the philosophical combined with just the receipts. I mean, the raw data that once again, Steve shows about the despair, but what's happened in the last seven years? Tranny madness of all kinds, groomers, porn in the schools, all of COVID happened, stolen elections, making World War III great again. Like it, it, the last seven years prove his point. Americans are now at the point where if you tell them this is low as you can go, you race to say, no, Hmm. we can go lower. I don't, seven years ago, I, if there's one thing I promise you is true about Steve Dace, whether it's this book, uh, the movie, anything else, if he says it, he believes it. He be- he absolutely believed slippery slope that this is where things were headed. But as we've talked about, believing it and then being in the middle of it are being in the middle of it adds a new level of eyes to see and ears to hear. You you seven years ago you wrote this book. It's being turned into a movie. It's convicted people seven years ago. All these people now, like your friend, the movie makers, I think they got it right because they've been given new eyes to see and they made God's not dead. Mm-hmm. These last seven years have been a mind scramble that just prove exactly why you were dead on seven years ago when you wrote this book. I think when you itemize all of those things, and that's a little bit what I heard from Justin Barkley on Woody Am in Grand Rapids this morning, just a, a comprehensive howitzer of all these existential moments that we have all faced. And, 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 and they almost don't seem real because they've all hit so randomly, but consecutively yeah, at the yeah, same time. Yeah. 
I don't think it is the challenge of all these events that creates the despair. I don't. And I'll take you behind the scenes when I wrote this chapter. When I wrote this chapter, I had in mind the classic rant that Al Pacino's John Milton character, who reveals himself at the end to be the devil himself, that Al Pacino's John Milton character goes on at the end of The Devil's Advocate, which is one of the most underrated movies of the, of the 1990s, maybe the most underrated movie of the 1990s. Um, Keanu Reeves plays a young attorney who is recruited out of, you know, basically the backwaters of the South to go and work for uh, this uh, huge law firm in New York City, Al Pacino's character. And of course, there's a, uh, I don't want to spoil anymore. There's a lot more going on here than you realize at the beginning. And he just seems to be very uniquely gifted as an attorney, just never loses a case. You find out there's a reason for that. Okay. But at the end, when the fullness of whom John Milton is, is revealed to Keanu Reeves' character. And, uh, and he's appalled at, at what he's being asked to now do in response to this revelation. And Keanu Reeves is, you know, like I, is like, I cannot become what you want me to be, okay? Pacino goes on this rant. And it's one of the greatest rants in a movie I have ever seen. And, and, and essentially what it is, is it's a rant of despair. And it's pointing out, and again, this movie was made in 1997, okay? It is pointing out that no one's going to be held accountable for anything. We're going to do all this right in your face. And you won't hold, and, and you don't have the balls. You don't. You just frankly don't have the, you don't have the, the faith. You don't have the courage. You don't have the balls. You just, you just don't to hold anybody accountable for what we are doing here at this law firm right to your face. And that rant is really what inspired this chapter because it's not, it's not everything that you just said by itself, Todd. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that no one will be held accountable for it at the exact same time. But that, and that's, that's, that's about, where the despair comes from. But it's you and I, you loved that movie for, for a long time. I remember talking about it. But even on some level, you and I didn't believe that. We all thought, like, Aaron's common sex kick, kick, kicks in, the rubber band. Like, the, you, you would, like, I remember numerous times you saying that's, you know, that, that, that won't happen. Mm-hmm. That's when the American people wake up. Like, this is where we've been given, even though you believe that, we've been given new eyes to see as believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, our own, every knee shall bend, our knees have bent deeper would you say in, mm-hmm. in new ways mm-hmm. i mean I, I think god's sovereignty has been more clear to me in all things like i you guys keep making compromise you th- guys think your job is to just art smart the evil uh on some level i i i think you i your 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 book managed to open a a cosmic tipping point of sorts in that it it was it was time for an all in moment in in this culture a true sorting out of what the stakes are what the consequences were are uh, th- that this nation is not on autopilot and never can be and our founder said as much but we've seemed to outsmart that too I uh, and I think I I'm 
there's so much to say about this chapter because it has like i think the most deeply depressing thing i may have ever read is because this is in despair the devil actually stops being the evil professor philosopher and just like is just plain old devil right now mm -hmm. and decides to just go wallowing and mm -hmm. when, when he talks about um you, you, now i want to tell you because i know you can't turn this around what i'm going to do to you in hell and he talks about the family and the children mm -hmm. and the father mm -hmm. and um huh. i uh it, this book hurts in so many ways again now reading it seven years later folks that and it all comes out that that hurt that scene i'm talking about it, that, that's that, that's this movie it, it 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 takes those those parts that are meant to grind you as hard as possible for you, for your own good very much for your own good so that you you simply will not equivocate triangulate and explain away like you have in the past and all of us all of us are have been deeply guilty uh, uh, for that on some level i want to read this portion of the chapter for a second if you don't mind because i mean this is like a cacophony of despair but seven years later seems pretty trite right yeah. now Okay. That's my point. Which only just reinforces the point of, of this section. The cloud of despair hovering over your culture even touches personal relationships. According to the Huffington Post, a record two-thirds of Americans say you can't trust people. Healthline says the number of patients diagnosed with depression increases by approximately 20% each year. I'm hoping some of you will become depressed while reading this, as a matter of fact. And the states with the highest rates of depression are, get this, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, all places right in the buckle of the Bible yeah. belt. So not even Jesus can pull you out of your funk, it seems. That's enough to make this surly demon crack a smile, despite turning diversity into a quasi-religion. Your culture is as balkanized as ever. Only 15% of Americans believe race relations have improved since the election of your country's first black president. Race pimps, those who foment racial strife because it's good for their bank accounts, are all the rage. They even get their own primetime television shows. These so-called ministers are really just shameless opportunists. Trust me, I would know. And let's just leave it at that. Come on, what kind of ministers have children out of wedlock in our tax sheets? Why, the kind we recruit, of course. All this race baiting is having a boomerang effect that showed up in your 2014 elections. The crucial swing state of Ohio went for a black presidential candidate in twice in 28, uh, 2008 and 2012. But the Democratic candidate for governor there only received 24% of the white vote in 2014. Obama had received 41% of the white vote just two years prior. Look at the way some of your media immediately rushed to judge in, to rush to judge in racially charged incidents like the shooting death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. An entire hands up, don't shoot meme was created that went viral nationwide. The officer who shot Brown, Darren Wilson, was all but convicted of being a racist cop in the court of public opinion. The city was plunged into persistent rioting. However, by the time it was all said and done, even your race-baiting Justice Department had to admit it was all a lie, including the hands-up-don't-shoot part, that he never said it. 
Furthermore, it turned out Wilson was right to shoot Brown, who was basically a thug. So if you're keeping score at home, one of the more successful middle-class black communities in your country was decimated by riots driven by a false racial narrative, which accomplished nothing other than destroying private property and jobs that largely belonged to blacks. Because nothing says social justice like looting the local quickie mart for a pack of menthols and some ding-dongs. Look, I, like I keep telling you, I'm a demon and a damned good one. I'm an agent of chaos. I enjoy watching your destruction. I get off on it, actually. I completely enjoy totally hate you with every fiber of my being. I have a very dim view of your species prospects. Nevertheless, even I have never seen a people so far gone, they destroyed their own infrastructure in an effort to get back at their alleged oppressors. I mean, shouldn't you be destroying the man's property instead of your own? What exactly do you think you're proving by burning down your own homes and businesses? Did the French burn down their villages to protest their own villages to protest the oppression of the aristocracy? No, they stormed the Bastille. Laud, you can't even riot right and on and on. On and on it goes. And now since then, as prevalent as race was back then, it was still very much tied uh, to socioeconomic uh, things. Now, since then, we've upped the ante. And now all of the wealthiest, most successful black people, uh, all of the, every, everybody is going race. We just see on ESPN, half of ESPN's time, the most successful, some of the most successful black Americans uh, in this country are constantly spending their time, instead of talking about the jump shot, they're talking about how uh, everything is racist. It just, you saw with that latest thing with um, uh, J.J. Reddick Reddick and Stephen A. Smith, yeah. Again, they've taken what happened seven years ago and everybody says, we can do better, which means we can really do much, 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 much worse. Aaron? I think despair and where it's getting me or where I'm seeing this, the temptation is, and I, and I mean recently within the last year and a half to two years is the attempt at corruption of things you would think the enemy would not even think about as a target for corruption. Like what's going on in Michigan. You mentioned that uh, that's going on in Minnesota too. I mean, it's just these leftists, these spirit of the agers, they get power and like a well-oiled, well-greased-up, uh, whatever, whatever you want to say, it, they jam that through. And it goes through with the breeze. Trans all the kids. Tax all the money. It takes you it 50 goes, years to it, beg Republicans to takes, overturn Roe. Instead, you get stuff like what you get in you know, South Carolina. South Carolina Republicans. What's, what's, so that's, that's not a new phenomenon. What's getting me recently is the corruption of things you would not even think the enemy would think about corrupting. Winnie the Pooh, I think the original version of Winnie the Pooh is now public domain. And it became public domain last year, the year before, I can't remember. Immediately, there's a new horror movie that is, I think, in production called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. (laughs) Why? Why? Because we can't, we, we want to desecrate do, things. We, we, we used to do iconoclasm, or they used to do iconoclasm for the sake of attaining power and demoralizing us. They're just doing iconoclasm for iconoclasm's st- sake. Nihilism, yeah. And it's nihilism, exactly. We let Ben, in his li- limited screen time, watch this YouTuber who does some really good content. It's like uh, Mr. Rogers meets a phonetics class. It's really cool, really wholesome content, good for toddlers, learning words and things like that. She has a co-host who I started to become a little bit uh, concerned about. Uh, It came out that uh, this co-host 
is a, is a, is a girl, but uh, she thinks that she's neither boy nor girl. And recently she added her pronouns to Ugh. her TikTok bio and uh, looks like she's chopped her boobs off, too. And Miss Miss Rachel is the name of this YouTuber, been effusive in her praise. And it's like corrupting the things you would not even think about corrupting. I think that's where the despair is, the, t- the temptation to despair is now. We're just doing things for, for fun. We're just, we're just cold cocking Josh Hawley. We're just throwing a chicken wing out there just because it's Tuesday. Now, that's a little bit of a different category. But I think what we're dealing with right now, you know, Abraham, I think it's Abraham Kuyper was the original um, source of the quote, there's not one square inch in Mm -hmm. the whole of creation Mm -hmm. over which Jesus Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. The enemy believes something similar. There's not one square inch of creation over which the enemy, Satan, does not attempt to spit in the face of God and yell F you. That's what we're dealing with in a culture culture this corrupt. And Todd, you talk about I don't want to I don't I don't want to filibuster here, but Todd, you talk about where's the rubber band, where's the critical mass moment where Americans will never go this far. I think we'll go all the way to the slaughterhouse. We used to raise cattle back on the farm. And um, we had one bull and several cows. And uh, you know, every year, year and a half or so, uh, Brownie the bull would see some of his beloved wives get on a trailer and he'd never see them again. They didn't know that the cows were happy. They got to eat some corn. Hey, it's a special day. We get to go on this trailer, have a ride, eat some corn. Uh, they were distracted. They were distracted. That's where we are yeah. right now. We're yeah. just distracted on the way to the slaughterhouse. And the last time, the last time, <laughs> the last time we sold those cows, Brownie was the last one to go. Except he, we sold him to somebody else. Brownie was the last one to go. And uh, it was just him then. This will eventually, eventually this will be, we will all be pared down. We'll be distracted to the camps, distracted on our way to the camps until such a critical mass. If there ever was one, it'll be such a small amount of people that they won't be able to do anything about it. That's, that's what the, I mean, that's, that's the way the enemy operates. And again, bringing up the movie in so many levels and especially that subplot, this is, this is illustrated brilliantly. And it causes you to wake up. It causes you to wake up, especially even if you're a believer. This is, this is for the non-believing world. But if you're a believer, I've said this before, if you are a believer, I think far too many of us pay too little attention to the reality of the spiritual warfare that is going on. And, uh, and it's illustrated brilliantly and, and beautiful. Well, I wouldn't say beautifully. Beautifully in an artistic sense, but illustrated powerfully. In nefarious. Hmm. We're not a nation of laws and we never have been. We are a nation of political will and we always will be. Now, it's, it's in my nature to go down swinging. That's just how I'm wired. Okay. I can't stand losing. I can't handle it. I mean, I just, I'm not good at it on any level. And I mean, I'll, 
I'll fight scratch and claw because I hate the feeling of losing more than anything else. So I go back to the interview I did on Wood AM this morning, you know, and Justin asked me, hey, basically, do you, do you feel this kind of despair? I, I don't have a lot of hope for the future of the country. I, I don't. But I don't feel a lot of despair either. I mean, like, you guys are around me off the air and stuff. I'm still kind of going home, living in... I mean, it's not normal right now with a movie going on, but we're still taking a couple of days off to go watch the NSA tournament next week, right? My normal spring break, mm-hmm. we're, right? We're still doing that. I still married my daughter off, you know? Um, because God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. If indeed, you know, civilizations end. That's why we have history books. Name a civilization that God allowed to end that did not deserve it. Go. No such civilization exists, does it? No. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So we have all, we've all transgressed against the laws of nature and nature's God. We all have. So therefore, who can stand and say to God, it wasn't fair that my civilization didn't make it. Who can do that? No one can. So if we're living in, as Jack Posobiec put it last segment, the, or last hour, the, the late stages of a republic, mm-hmm. is that undeserved? No. Did we not kill 60 million of our own children? Of course. Yeah, we did. Forget, it, forget everything else. Forget everything else. If we had just done that, if we had just done that, would it not be deserved? Of course. So God is good all the time. Yes. All the time God is good. And in the midst of that, even if we are living in the end, we do still get to do things like marry off our daughters, go see movies, watch basketball games. Go grow. We still get to do a lot of things that a lot of civilizations before us could not take for granted that we still get to do. Do we even deserve that? Oh, we definitely don't. We definitely don't. That. No, we definitely don't. <clears throat> we definitely don't. So God is good all the time. All the time God is good. You know, whether it's Asbury or these other places, if these revivals are real, it's, I said this to Justin this morning, it is every bit as possible that that is God preparing people for a Petra as it is that these are great awakenings. It might be that, you know, if it's a, if it's a great revival, we don't deserve that. That would be a great act of grace and mercy on God's behalf, right? Yes. Yeah. Do we even deserve a small revival? To, do we even deserve to be part of a remnant? Do we even deserve that? No, we don't. We don't. So my worldview begins with the premise that God supernaturally intervened into human history and raised himself dead in corporal form to life. So despair or nihilism, just, I, if the grave can't hold me, why do I care if I'm Twitter banned? You know what I'm saying? And I think if we had more of that perspective, then the, the, the concern that we have for where things are heading would be a motivating factor instead of a debilitating one, and that's what despair causes you. Despair causes paralysis. Concern causes courage of conviction. Be concerned, yes. Fight like it's up to us. Pray like it's up to him.
honored to be partnering with our friends over at Preborn. Their network of clinics has rescued over 200,000 babies because a majority of women that come to their clinics feel a pressure to kill their child. But then when they are confronted peacefully, gently, but confronted nevertheless with the reality that that being they're carrying around in their belly has its own distinct heartbeat. Their conscience often, maybe up to 80% of the time, is convicted and they won't go through with the actual killing. And they provide all those ultrasounds for free. They provide everything for free uh, at, at preborn because they also take care of the mom and the baby after the child is born as well. Uh, and so if you want to be a part of this outstanding ministry, they do it all for free. They just, though, need donations from people like us for that to remain the case. Go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, preborn.com slash Steve. You can also donate now by, by, by dialing pound 250 and say the keyword baby, pound 250 keyword baby, or preborn.com slash Steve. It's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three hopefully good non-political questions that will evoke a conversation or something akin to that between the three of us. Question number one, what's one rule you'd get rid of in any sport and one rule you'd add to any sport? Go ahead, Todd. (laughs) Besides instant replay. I was going to even, besides instant replay, uh, myself... Oh gosh, this is a this is a good question, but answering it, you, you step. I'll, I'll, I'm in the same position you are. You you threw it to me because you didn't. You wanted to think about this, and I'm I'm thinking live. Oh, do 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 do. Uh, referees can't be held individually accountable in public. Cannot. Cannot. You you would be. Yeah. You would change that rule. Yep. They'd all do press conferences oh. after games, explain yeah, their. Great, yeah. and, and in fact, if we're going to get rid of all the technology as Todd wants, then we up the yeah. accountability. Yeah. Okay. They all have every referee, umpire after every game in every sport. Press conferences afterwards, take questions, be held accountable to the same standard that the players and the coaches are. They have to answer for all of their decisions, and so do them. Uh, so or so do they, I should say. So that's what I would do in exchange for what Todd wants is the accountability would be magnified comprehensively across the board to everybody in any form of, of, of an officiating position in any sport. That's a good one. I would get rid of the uh, controls the ball through the catch or survives the ground. That drives me I nuts. I thought about that, too. That yeah, drives it, it drives nuts. me nuts, too. Yeah, I thought about that, too. Yeah, why well, didn't that... That goes without saying now. I mean, has there ever been a more ridiculous process than what we've gone through trying to discern what a catch is? I mean, honestly, you talk about you talk about the reason America deserves to fall, Steve. Just just that nonsense. <laughs> the catch rule. It's just, yeah, it's it's been nice. uh, uh, unbelievable. I know I have I think um the uh also, that like the whole notion that the ground can't cause a fumble, I think is actually 
kind of stupid. That it's whether you're down is a different question than whether the ground should be able to cause a fumble. I mean, if if, if you're if you've you know if you've gone to a knee, you're not going anywhere. The whistle's blown, but like if you just get absolutely trucked <laughs> and lose control of yourself and you hit the ground and the ball pops out, I'd be I'd be absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, why is it if the ball pops out? The ball pops out when you hit the ground. It's not a fumble. But if the ball pops out when you hit the ground after a catch, it's not a catch. Yeah, it's just there's no there's a, no coherence to a lot of this. I would add a four or five point line in basketball. And this is not just I don't think this is just so a Steph Curry line, basically. Pre- precisely. I don't yeah. I don't think this is just novelty. I think it would actually help the game. If you had, if you knew you had to defend all the way out there, it would encourage people to actually start shooting from out there. If you had to defend all the way out there, it would open up the court quite a bit. That's my thinking, anyway. Okay, that's not bad. Which one do you want to add? Which rule do you want to add? So uh, you have to add one and take one away. Oh, so add one. Yeah. Uh, blue line in soccer. Okay. It already has one. It does not. One of these we'd, days, you'll understand. We'd, we'd have a <laughs> we'd have a blue line in soccer Global. and. Um, Therefore, the, it's called we, the defense. It's called would, the last defender. We would Americanize the sport and make it make last. it somewhat watchable, Com- unlike what it is now. Question two: We're really um, tackling the serious issues here on three <laughs> non-political questions. I think today. after we discuss despair for thirty yeah. minutes, this is a good conversation. Actually, what condiment or topping would you be willing to die on the hill of saying that it's objectively good? In other words, if somebody says, "No, nah, I don't like that very much," you think they're a crazy person. The condiment or topping for what? Anything. Anything. Expand your expand your mind. All right, because I'd have to bring my daughter Anastasia in here because she's the condiment queen. That's oh. one of her nicknames. I'm not, a, I mean, I don't have, I'm not too adventurous when it comes to condiments. I'm fine. I, I love mustard. Ketchup is good. Barbecue sauce is good. You know, I'm not all that extreme. Um, Hot sauce is objectively good. Okay. That would be yours. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go with something that I've not ate in a long time, but for whatever reason, it just came to mind. The the coating shell that you put on the ice cream that freezes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I haven't had that since I was a kid. Very underrated. Yeah. (laughs) What? It is good. It's really good. It freezes on there. Well, it freezes or hardens somehow on there. You know I am not an adult. You know this. Gives the ice cream a little more texture. I am enjoying this. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I think the coating is good. It's the best way to simulate like the old Dairy Queen dipped cones we used to get after Little League when we were kids. I always had to go get the dipped cone. You know, if we won, you got a regular ice cream cone if you lost. You got the dipped cone if you won. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are just so many things that you know. Your your force of will on so many different fronts in so many areas of life next to your. 12-year-old boy addictive personality. <laughs> the battle, the tension, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, make a straight path in one segment. <laughs> and then on the next segment, I'm like, I really dig that hard coat, coating shell that you put on the ice cream. I like that. <laughs> I, half the time I say, that, you know what? Um, half the time I say things John the Baptist would say. Half the time I say things he never would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Love it. Uh, John the Baptist would die on the hill of locusts, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Todd. Don't knock know. it till you rock it. Yeah. What condiment are you going to die 
I said hot sauce. Oh, hot sauce. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't hear yeah. that. I'd say sauerkraut. If you don't like sauerkraut, uh, yeah. you're a terrible, a terrible I love person. I, I despise sauerkraut. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I can't handle it. I'm sure we, it's we, great. Sorry, yeah. man. I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's great. that up at hard candy chocolate shells. <laughs> but man, I, I have tried to eat oh, that before so and it, it, it made me, oh, uh, gosh, Of course, it's good gag. on brats, but you can put it on other stuff as I, well. It's uh, really and it's great for the digestion. Exactly. Exactly. All right, finally, question number three. March 9th to do, uh, find TikToks to piss off the guys. I mean, yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> okay, watch the Steve Day Show. Watch it every day. Love it. Sounds good. Save Aaron's butt again. <laughs> All right, Dad. If you could have a Freaky Friday moment with anyone, who would it be? Obviously, can't be political. Love you, Dad. Aaron, we'll talk. <laughs> Nice. So out of so we switch swap. bodies, we switch bodies. With and anyone. it can't be and it can't, it can't be, be a political, political person. Yeah. Um, Juwan Howard. Right yeah. now, <laughs> right now, are they even trying to play? Because basketball? I am confident. Have they made I am, a shot I am in confident. the last ten minutes? I am confident. I can get a team to to um, to uh, to execute down the stretch of a college basketball game better than he can, because he cannot do it at all. So I could not possibly be any worse. I, I mean, I have Scott Frost called and said one in twelve all time in games decided by one possession. Now I would I, I I'd switch with Juwan Howard because I if I need to know on my own, like I need to know I need to know what gets said in the huddles. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to know at this point. Okay, I just I would need to I I have this great desire to know. Do they just zone you out? Do they even pay attention? Do they care? And I need the answers to those questions. And so I would I would do Freaky Friday with Michigan basketball coach Juwan Howard. They have, they have not made a shot. Every single shot has been blocked in like the last 10 minutes of game time. I just. This I, is the kind of basketball that drives me nuts. Well, remember, this is a two. This is easy. I mean, it would be with uh, Joe Biden because I'd be president of the United States. Non-political. Oh, person. that's right. Darn it. Non-political person. Um, okay, that, fine, the Pope. Jesus juked you. I like how that. You, how do you like them apples? I did Because like also it's a two-way street because then you'd turn into the Steve Dace show uh, tomorrow and all of a sudden uh, Todd would be talking about Pachamama and you'd be like, what in the hell is going on here? It'd be great. We might finally have to have a real Catholic Protestant debate if that were to occur. Because I'd have to have a better comeback than when you all are actually Catholic. Come call me. <laughs> come talk to me. Isn't the Pope pretty political right now, though? Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm going with the Jesus juke. Okay. Uh, non-political person that I would swap. I uh, have a freaky Friday moment with right now. How about... How about Bill Gates? swap with him completely I would sell in one day I would divest everything that I'm doing for you know the globalization I would totally screw up his attempts to purchase farmlands I would sell those off in one day I, I could do this in one day I'd sell him for a penny he's political go. he's well not technically 
He's not technically. You don't political. think the potential Antichrist is po- is political? <laughs> Bill I, Gates isn't the Antichrist. I, I mean, the, literally, the, the guy's the buying guys, up the world's farmland, which is the exact plot of the, Damien the Omen Three of how he rises to power. Antichrist okay. will not have man boobs. Okay, <laughs> at least not like his. So I would, I would, I would swap with Bill Gates and just. And also, I'd be able to enjoy the you know billions of dollars that I have and fly around on my uh, private jet, of course, while purchasing bevy of uh, carbon capture offsets, so that uh, you know I'm not I'm not making the problem worse. That's who I do the Freaky Friday swap with. All right, let's make an addendum. If it was somebody political, who would it be? Todd, go. I already said Biden. I I take Mitch McConnell. I would do. Just take him out. Yep. Totally off the board. Do you see he uh, he he got admitted to the hospital? Yes. Yeah. For what? Fell at his home. Apparently, I don't know. Fell the story. at a hotel. Yeah. yeah. Or at a hotel. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I I I'd swap with Mitch McConnell. Just take him out. Take him. I mean, when I say take him out, I mean politically. Just take him off the board. Okay. Just take him off the board. I would I would I would reset all the NRSC funding to people that we like, and then like put clauses and stuff in contracts that was irreversible. And make it liquid too, like liquid, like liquid, I'd liquid the coffers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that the money was actually gone. Like, you know, not allocated. It was actually gone. That's what I would do. I would just completely and totally sabotage him. That's what I would do. Take him off the board. Frankly, I'm getting very, very excited by the prospect mm-hmm. of, of, of that. I can see that. I, I can't stand him. I, was, I actually was drifting into the sports question number one again and rule changes to add can we go back to that no sure yes we can we got about three minutes go ahead i think um what are we doing in overtime by the way uh that thread that i sent you but we all already kind of addressed that with jack so we'll we'll discuss okay all right go ahead Todd. uh i heard something about basketball they were talking about instead of just having overtime with another timed window that they're they're thinking about just like first team up to 10 or something which I thought was interesting. Not for for soccer and uh, for overtime. In a way, to penalty kicks are simultaneously exciting and also like a very frustrating way to end the game. Maybe if you don't have golden goals, which is first goal wins, you have right now you have to play two extra ten minute halves. Well, why don't each half be a power play? Oh, Would that work? Yeah. Eleven v nine or something like that, and and you sc- in your first half you get eleven v nine and you score as many goals as you can, and then it gets flipped, the other hmm. one. Okay, I think at least at the upper echelons of European soccer, you know, I'm, I have a long-standing <clears throat> opinion that missed penalty kicks should be a capital offense. That's maybe the maybe more than the five point. <laughs> Maybe more than the five point line. After a fair trial, of yeah. course. After the five point line <laughs> in basketball, if you miss a penalty kick, listen, listen. Soccer is so hard and random as it is. It's just one on one. the The goal is huge. You miss. Have you ever taken kicks. a penalty kick? Yeah. No, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> like in his backyard. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, so there's a lot of things that I haven't done, Todd. Doesn't mean I don't get to say they're not worthy know, of death. Worthy of death. Thank you. If you've been training your entire life, 
to kick the ball into the net and you get a free opportunity for a goal, you know which are very be, rare, and you, know, you miss it. You know who would be dead right now? A lot of really great pay, soccer players. Messi and would that's, be dead. And that's arousing Steve. <laughs> yes. I don't want him dead. I just Steve want him just, playing a different sport. Steve didn't hear anything other than dead soccer players. He's like, that sport. sounded okay. No. <laughs> I don't want him dead. I just want their talents better utilized elsewhere. You know, in, in a sport that's actually befitting of their of their excellence, as opposed to this Marxist construct of punishing people for being bigger, faster, and stronger than their contemporaries. There's offsides in football. There is. Yes. But we have a line of scrimmage. And then after you get past that line of scrimmage, as long as you're fa- if you're faster than everybody else, but there's a time when go get you, it. Go get some. There's a time when you can go past it. There's a rule for that. No, there's yeah. not. Every time you get to the ball mm-hmm. faster than the defender, you are off sides. I watched this called for three years covering professional I, soccer. I watched this called for this three out. years. It's amazing. You can't like throw a bomb pass in soccer. Hey, we're gonna kick it long. Go out. Go out. Run the other guy uh, to the ball. No, you're off sides. You can't do it. It's offsides. I watched it happen. Didn't you hear the term cherry picking when you were a kid? It's in basketball too. That's why you can't be a cherry picker. I'm not talking about cherry picking. The blue line would stop that from happening. You can't. The blue line is the perfect compromise. You can't cherry pick either. But then if I beat you to the puck, I beat you yeah, to the, the puck. The blue line is the last defender. It moves. A moving the, line of scrimmage. A moving yes. line of see what I'm saying. Like a moving target. Boy, what's a, what's more Marxist than moving fundamentals? Boy, yeah, that's that's pretty Marxist. We're moving the rules as we speak. I've seen that before too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like every conference in college football is destroying itself. But sure, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.